Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Thank you. Good morning, church. Like Joel said, my name is Keller. Um, I'll be reading from John chapter 10, verses 1 to 18. Um, Read with me. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice." So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time um, to come and worship you and hear from your word. I pray that you would bless Pastor Joel as he preaches this morning, that you would speak through him. Um, Lord, that you would encourage us and challenge us. God, will you give us hope in this season of Advent? Help us to wait for you um, and to long for your second coming. Um, God, I just thank you for this season that we get to be together and worship you. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks, Keller. One of the things that happened uh, in recent weeks in the world of technology is uh, a private company uh, opened up uh, a chatbot that was driven by machine learning. 
Uh, and so if you went through this login process, you could go, and it's kind of like a commonly used search engine, but you could ask it questions, and based on its ability to scan all sorts of books, articles, news, kind of all that's in the internet, it would return to you something along the lines of a human answer. And uh, the result of this is that uh, there are, were college uh, professors who were putting in their typical essay prompts and getting seemingly human responses and wondering aloud, like, is this going to shape our ability to ever uh, assign work again? A friend of mine who's a pastor in Indianapolis and new to the church world put in a theology exam to see could he pass the ordination process uh, by using uh, just a little bit of machine learning and all of its ability to search books. Um, and the, the, there was this open question of like, what would be the end result of this brand new technology that uh, has this massive ability to cover information but then returns answers, at least in some part, to our questions. A technology writer named Cade Metz wrote an article for the New York Times, and it had a very New York Times-sounding headline. It's this, the new chatbot could change the world, period. Can you trust them? Question mark. And as I read uh, Cade's article, which it, it was really good, I think, in summarizing what's going on in the world of technology, uh, that, that kind of last question that he left open, that's a pretty big deal, right? Uh, so if you're going to take a theology exam uh, and you're going to trust your ordination process to a chatbot, uh, you better hope you can trust the theological answers that it's uh, spewing out. Uh, or if you are going to entrust your college learning and maybe all of your learning, uh, high school, middle school, maybe elementary school, uh, to uh, this new chatbot, then you hope that you can trust the answers that it's spewing out. Because the, the reality is, is if these things work by uh, searching books and articles and news and then bringing all that data together in seemingly human responses, then its output is only as good, only as true, only as quality as the things that it has surveyed. And so this question of can you trust the underlying sources is an important one, not only for the use of a chatbot or for machine learning, but for all of our lives. And when Jesus shows up in the first century, he is declaring that he has come from God to bring about God's deliverance, not only for the people he spoke to then, but for you, friends, today. And so then I, I think, similar to this New York Times headline, well, that's big news. Can you trust it? And Jesus here in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John is using a story of sheep and shepherds to invite you to trust the work that he's doing. The Lord Jesus meets us in our own time of Advent as we wait between his first arrival and his return where the realities of life, the pressures that we face, the struggles that exist we may have the same question. Jesus, where are you at? What's going on? Are you the one? The Lord Jesus 
meets us during the season of Advent, meets with us during our time of waiting. To not only invite you to trust him, but to, in a sense, share and show the underlying source of just what God is doing. So this morning, that's what we will look at, not just for uh, easy questions like uh, some uh, discrete theology exam or some essay prompt for a class, but for the eternal questions of what God is doing in our world and what that means for you and for me. Let's look at that this morning in three points, and I put the verse numbers just so you can kind of follow along through this 10th chapter. Know the source, access to life, and cost of love. In verse 1, Jesus opens saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, this is a way and framing throughout John's gospel to say, my sources are trustworthy. What I'm about to tell you, this is something you can trust in. And as he continues on, he describes the care of a shepherd. Now, shepherd and sheep stories uh, may be a little distant for us, but throughout the history of the world, different cultures, different times in history, uh, a shepherd and sheep story have been emblematic of how someone in power cares for those in need. Oftentimes, how kings care for those who are under their charge, or how people who hold institutional power care for the people who are affected by that power. And so it would be commonplace in the first century, and for us, while it's a little distant, I hope that you can get some sense of when Jesus uses these stories of shepherd and sheep, you can think uh, powerful, influencing, decision-making and those who are impacted by it. And so he opens up and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own by name, And leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And so Jesus is using this language as he engages people who are asking real questions about their lives. Uh, They had received promises from God. Their expectation was that God was going to engage the world and that he was going to meet them in their time of need. And uh, there's this open question as they looked around and they didn't always see what was going on. Jesus shows up and says, I am a trustworthy voice. I am here to declare to you that God has come near. Jesus uses this metaphor of sheep knowing the voice of their shepherd as a way to demonstrate a relational component between what God is doing and uh, how people of faith respond. And, And so this language of voice, it's pointing to the relational reality. The true shepherd uses his voice to guide his sheep. And his sheep follow because they hear and recognize his voice. It's this idea that God comes near to his people. 
This was the declaration of Jesus. Jesus is showing up to people saying, I am more than just a prophet. I am God arrived to share his voice with the people. And inviting the people to hear his voice and to follow. This is pretty radical. Uh, He is sharing with them that God uh, doesn't just stay far away and far off in order to engage in our everyday lives. But in Jesus, he's saying, I'm the shepherd who's shown up to deal closely with the sheep in a way that you can relationally know his voice. So he is entering into the world in a personal way to invite them to follow. That, I think, continues in the life of our church in the 21st century. So that when we hear our various sets of voices in our current cultural moment, right, the question becomes, well, where's the trustworthy voice? What voice is familiar? What voice do I know? Listening for the voice of Jesus amidst the noise of our current moment is exactly what Advent is for. Right, because uh, in a time of Advent, we're dealing with some of the similar questions. Where is God in the midst of my struggle? Where is God when evil persists in the world? Jesus meets us in the midst of those very, very difficult and honest questions to say, I'm the God who's come near, hear my voice, turn in faith and follow me. Trust me as the source of truth. That's the invitation that we continue to practice, uh, not only when we enter into faith in Jesus, but as we live awaiting for Christ's return. The relational component of knowing that God is the one who's shown up and come near, that is our hope in the midst of any difficult season. Now, uh, the people, uh, in verse 6, John tells us, They don't quite get it. They're a bit confused by the shepherd and sheep illustration, right? So John, in verse 6, says, This figure of speech Jesus used with them, they didn't understand what he was saying. So Jesus makes another run at it, okay? This is kind of like uh, if you've ever had a dish like three ways, you know, like, uh, you know, pick uh, some sort of dish three ways. You know, salmon three ways. It's like uh, you can have like grilled salmon, you can have uh, salmon fried a particular way, and then like salmon salad or something, right? A dish three ways. This is Jesus giving you shepherd sheep three ways. So he gives it to them the first way. They're like, Jesus, I don't get the dish. And Jesus is like, all right. Stay with me. And then he continues on in 7 through 10, right? So he's like, let me give this to you another way. And so in 7, Jesus again says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is saying, listen, in verses 1 through 5, he's saying, I'm giving voice to what God's doing, right? Recognize my voice, hear this authentic voice of God's work in the world, and follow. And they're like, huh? And he's like, okay, okay. Then he talks about access, right? So he talks about himself as the gateway to abundant life. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. And then he unpacks that and says, not every voice that tries to lead you through life has your best uh, intentions, uh, has your best destination in mind. And so he's giving a warning of uh, really two things. Not every spiritual direction is equal, and the destination is important. So first, not every direction is equal. What he's saying is there are people who will show up in life and try to lead you bad directions. And part of what it means to grow spiritually is to work through just where am I headed spiritually. Now, you may have gone through long seasons of life where you just totally set that question aside. Jesus encourages you here during the season of Advent to pick those questions back up and start figuring out what direction is my faith leading me? Because not all directions are equal. It's not as if you head uh, north, east, south, and west that you're going to head in the same or you're going to land in the same place. And when he talks about life and life more abundantly, he's saying the destination matters. There's an eternal weight here to our questions of faith. And so it's worth spending time, at least just some time, to reflect and to work through and think, what is it that I believe? Jesus is trying to make the case for you even this morning to say, faith is serious business. And you may be able to set it aside for the season, but the ultimate destination where you land is important. So give it some thought. He's contrasting someone who brings abundant life and the access to life that he brings to those who may kill, steal, and destroy. So the goal and access matter. Now up to this point, I recognize that I have asserted that Jesus is trustworthy, that Jesus has come from God, and that he has our best interest in mind, not only as the voice or source that is trustworthy, but as the one with access to the right direction and destination. Now, if you have followed that through the sermon, congrats, and you may be asking, like, how do I know? But like, how, how, do I, how do I know? Like, I hear you saying that, but how am I supposed to know? Well, in verses 11 through 18, Jesus is going to give you some guidance to answering that question. And it, it's maybe, it is an important part of fully understanding the sheep and shepherd three ways. So in verses 11 through 18, he unpacks, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then he gives two pictures, a hired hand in contrast to the good shepherd. And what he says here is that the hired hand in unpacking it isn't evil, uh, isn't uh, someone who is out to do you wrong, but uh, is not going to go the full way for your best interests. That's, that's effectively the case that he's making. Um, here's what Jesus is saying. The hired hand is someone who says, I'm your friend, but then when you get in trouble, they're like, I hope that works out for you. The hired hand is the person who sees something going on, but it looks a little dangerous and risky. So they're willing to pull out their phone and record or stream it, but they're not willing to go get involved, right? And so it's not that the hired hand's necessarily contributing to all the bad stuff that's going on, but they're not helping either. And Jesus contrasts with the one who's willing to pull out their phone and watch the condition of your spiritual state 
to the one who's willing to take on humanity and enter in and do something about it. Jesus is going to make the case that God loves you. And the reason why Jesus is trustworthy as the voice of God and is the one who has the right direction and the access to it for abundant life is because he loves you. And here's the really important part for us who are Christians. He's demonstrated that love, not only in taking on humanity, but in willing to do more than record or stream the tough things that you're going through, but to enter in and make it right. The good shepherd is willing to lay down his life, to pay the cost, to enter in, to see you in the midst of trouble and not stand afar and just wish you well, but enter in and bring about your deliverance. Now that, if true, is big. That is Jesus declaring that he himself not only uses sheep, not only cares for sheep, not only knows the sheep, but is willing to give his life on behalf of the sheep. That that's part of what he was sent to do. And that's the paradox for us in our time of waiting because we wait between the cross and resurrection and Christ's return. Right? And so we can look back to Jesus' sacrifice on behalf of his people, where he lived out, as the prophet Ezekiel declared, just what the good shepherd would look like. Jesus takes on humanity. He willingly gives himself uh, on behalf of the sheep. But that in that cost, he brings about our deliverance. John Stott wrote, in his book some years ago, The Cross of Christ. Just what this love looks like for you and I. Here's what Stott says. It looked like defeat of goodness by evil, uh, but it was the defeat of evil by goodness at the cross. Jesus overcame there. He was in some sense overcome, but he was also overcoming. He was in some sense crushed by the ruthless power of Rome, but he himself was crushing the serpent's head. The victim was the victor, and the cross is the throne from which he rules the world. Jesus is presenting this image of the good shepherd is laying down his life for the sheep as one who had an eye to the cross as his vocation to deal with our deepest problems, to answer our deepest questions of how we can be right with God and how we can experience both life and God fully. And Jesus says, I can accomplish that for you. That is why he went to the cross. And invites us in to experience that love and grace to know his voice through faith. That is the Christian hope and what we cling to in a time of Advent. So as we look back to what Jesus has done, it helps us in our own relational difficulties, our own life challenges, the ways in which we still continue to see evil and oppression and say, where is the good shepherd that's going to bring about deliverance for the sheep? Jesus says, well, I've accomplished it and I will return. This is how you know you can trust my voice, Jesus says. This is how you know 
that I am the one with access. Because not only did I meet the cost for you laying down my life for the sheep, I have been raised from the dead and will return, so Jesus declares. So what does that mean for us? I think it means that uh, through the season of Advent and really all of life, we remind ourselves that we know what true love is. There are all sorts of conceptions. I don't even want to imagine what would happen if you put the question into the chat bot or into a search engine, what is love? What are the possible answers that come out? My hope is that it says, hey, I'm not qualified to answer that. Uh, Jesus uh, demonstrates and models for us, this is what love looks like. And so we're invited in to know this is true love. And it stands in contrast to every abusive form of love that you may have seen her and I hope not, but maybe have experienced, where people disguise bad motivations and evil actions under some name or umbrella of love, Jesus models what real love looks like is when we give of ourselves for the sake of others. And so we get to know and experience that love from God himself. We get to practice that love in our own service and care for one another. So what helps make Christians a full Christian community is that we are following Jesus' example. So that when we love one another in marriages, in friendships, uh, by being a good neighbor, by loving strangers who we don't really know all that well, is that we're following Jesus' model and example of love. So that we're willing to give of ourselves to help and care for others, not in a quid pro quo, just to get what I want, not to manipulate them, not to just call something love that isn't, but truly for the sake of service and care. At Mosaic Silver Spring, a big part of why we have a diaconal ministry team and a mercy ministry team is to constantly be on the lookout for ways in which we can love our neighbors and not only know the love of Jesus personally as individuals in a community, but then model and exemplify that love for the people around us. That's what they do. So that later in the service when we receive a mercy offering, I just want to note that is to empower and put into place the resources for the team that's constantly on the lookout for ways to make the love of God known to our neighbors. True love, practicing it in service and care. And then finally, we can receive love, right? Sometimes we can be our harshest critics. Sometimes we can uh, play over and over uh, the DVR of our own doubts, our own anxious thoughts, uh, our own misdeeds and mistakes. And by doing that, it can keep us stuck where we think, ah, this is what defines me. One of the freeing things about the love of God is that not only does it deal with the consequences of your sin, it frees you up to move forward. We don't have to be trapped watching those same stories play over and over and over again. In this season of Advent, it's not as if we wait doing nothing. Jesus brings us the freedom to continue God's mission to the world in our own lives and as part of a community. That's amazing. It means you have been given discrete gifts and you get to pick those gifts up and say, what would it look like to use my particular gifts to be a blessing and to love the people around me in the same way that God has loved me? 
Well, there are so many ways that we can do that as a community that I can't even begin to map it out. But I can challenge you to say, have you thought of your gifts lately that way? That's the freedom that we have in Jesus. That not only do we know what love is, not only do we practice love, but we can receive love in a way that unlocks and opens up a freedom for us to bear the name Christian. Not as a weapon to hurt other people, not as a power play to get our way in this nation or in politics, but as a way to look back at Christ's love for us on the cross as the good shepherd and to look forward to hearing and seeing and experiencing the voice of our shepherd again. And in the meantime, in that wait, to love one another and our neighbors with freedom. That's the Christian hope. That's the mission that we're on as a whole church. That's what we're after. Let me pray that God gives us strength to do just that. Our Father in heaven, I ask that as we think through just what love means for our sisters and brothers, for our children, that we will think through well the meaning of love as you have modeled it, as you have demonstrated it in a way that impacts our lives directly. God, I ask that we will be a community that follows your example and that loves others well. In the name of Jesus. Amen.